Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, welcome back to Oz Business Australia's only live streaming business and markets channel. Great to have your company. I'm David Kosh. Just gone midday Eastern Standard Time. That means it is time for the call. 10 stocks, 60 minutes, two experts. We give you the run through. It's always a lot of fun. And uh, two of my favourite team members on the expert panel today, Rudy Philippek van Dyke from FN Arena and Claude Walker of Rich Life. They are, uh, good morning or good afternoon, gents. They are the fanboys of Technology One. If you're a uh, regular watcher of this team, you know it has been a, uh, a war of words between these two on Technology One. And uh, Rudy, I think you've converted, Claude. Um, I'm now waiting to convert you, uh, David. Oh, yes. No, and I've been watching it carefully. But you two obviously have been buying, Claude, because the share price has still been going up. Yeah, I've had no chance to buy. And hello, Rudy. Yeah, I guess you were right about that one. But I am hoping there's one stock today that's a little bit similar. I'm hoping I can convince um, Rudy over to my uh, camp. I'm a holder of Objective Corp. So oh. it's not that different, I'd argue. Okay. Sure, I, w- I would have described it myself as a little uh, technology one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll get to that very shortly. Don't give too much away, you two, in terms of the stocks we're covering today. But as always, we kick off with um, a stock of the day. And uh, of course, our stock of the day is BHP today because UBS, the big broking firm, has upgraded it to a buy. Share prices slipped 20% since February due to COVID-19 and a breakdown in uh, OPEC impacting commodity prices. But UBS believes the companies in a strong position should be able to return to surplus cash to shareholders at a time when other more traditional dividend-paying stocks cannot. However, UBS uh, upgrade is, I suppose, a bit offset by news today. Um, Rudy from, um, I think it was front page of, of The Australian, saying, hey, will China start to slap around iron ore imports um, and coal like they've done to Dunder Bali and beef. Well, if, if, they, if they play that game, I would wager they can't play it for too long. Right. Uh, it would be cutting off their noses to spite their yeah. faces. They actually know. need our resources. Exactly. Well, in that, in that, case, that particular one, that market situation is that they, they can almost not get it elsewhere. Yeah. And not, not in the quantities that they need. Yep. Is that good for BHP? Yes. Do you understand UBS's upgrade? Do you agree with it? Yes. Upgrade to a buy? There's some caveats, of course. Um, UBS is absolutely correct. There is is now a search, quite a furious one, around on the share market and where can we get reliable dividends. Uh, We are so far already in this financial year, they will pay out a big dividend in in August. That's almost a given. Yeah. Um, so from that perspective, absolutely. Um, you, you can actually extend that a little bit. You can actually include Fortescue and Rio Tinto as well. Sure. So that will, that will be the same story. But investors will have to realize that they are still commodity producers. Yep. Uh, that comes with volatility. 
and also comes with, with times that you, you do not want to keep them. Right. Um, we have to wait. At the moment, iron ore pretty stable, pretty high, yeah. a lot of cash flows. Yeah. Uh, we have to wait on how long that, that, uh, that story will last. BHP a buy for you? On that premise, yes. Right. Um, Claude, what about you? Do you agree with UBS? Uh, BHP's a buy? Uh, it's, again, not one that I'd buy myself just because it's, it's a bit pedestrian for me, but I do agree with Rudy and UBS that uh, this is probably a decent uh, dividend stock with the caveat being it's not necessarily going to be a stable and growing dividend forever. I think the other thing to note about this upgrade today is it, it's an upgrade from neutral to buy, which is largely driven by the fact that the share price has fallen. So essentially what they're saying is, look, you know, now that the share price has come down, we see value. It's not that they necessarily think that the um, environment for BHP is getting any better. So for that reason, it's not the kind of, I look for business momentum. And so it's not like this amazing business momentum with BHP. And, and of course, the uh, disagreement with China is not going to help that short term, medium term, long term. You know, of course, China will probably keep buying our iron ore, as will the world, because we may see governments try to infrastructure spend their way out of this uh, current problem okay. we have. All right. So you sort of agree. Yes, a buyer, but boring. Too boring for you. Yeah, that's <laughs> well said, well said. <laughs> All right. That's our stock of the day. Let's get into our, our 10 stocks that you sent in. Thank you very much for doing it. a really good cross section of stocks today. Uh, first one, uh, Claude, let's kick off with you. Virgin Money UK sort of financial services group, um, uh, financial, um, almost like a mini bank, is it? Yeah, exactly. So this is a, a, a little bank uh, over in uh, the UK. They bought Clydesdale Bank uh, from, or, sorry, they are essentially Clydesdale Bank, bank yeah. which did a few years ago from NAB. Um, look, I think that, so first of all, I should discuss, I actually have a tiny uh, holding in Virgin Money UK because oh. I was wondering, I wanted to watch to see whether they'd end up raising capital. Um, and obviously they got sold off quite hard there. So I thought the risk reward was probably on my favor. I probably will sell out because, you know, as with BHP, it's a bit boring for me. But I think the key points that I'd note is that in their recent results in their presentation, uh, they said uh, that they have uh, 800, circa 800 million pound management buffer to regulatory minimum, which is probably a good, a good thing on the risk side of the equation. Um, in terms of the outlook, they are not really a great dividend stock at the moment, given that the board has said that, you know, they'll make a decision reflecting the economic environment at the time. And I don't think the economic environment is very good. So, yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of this. And I'd actually probably put it in the maybe the hold kind of cab. I certainly am planning to sell my uh, my own shares in this uh, probably sooner rather than later, unless you need to participate in an attractively priced capital okay. raising. All right. Rudy? Why would you go there? That's that's my main question. Right? <laughs> I mean, there are there are there are various scenarios when when a company is spun off out of out of a mothership. Yeah. I mean, one of one of the better ones would have been uh, Dulux Corp in recent years. Oh, they've, yeah. they've been again been taken off the share market. But yeah. when they and another example could be SAR thirty two, for example. Yeah. These are companies that are spin out and and spun out, and when they when they go separately, they actually have their separate management and they actually have a business case. A certain size of business and 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 that works for shareholders in this case this was this was thrown out because it was too small it was it was troubled it it, it couldn't really generate anything for nap and now basically retreated back and said well, listen have it right to the share market right, right. what's it going to do on its own it's still small it still has problems there's there's much larger banks in the uk 
Um, it's, it's some, I mean, probably for, for investors to understand it best is if you, if you come back to the Australian situation, why are the four banks here better investments than, than the smaller banks on, yeah. on average? It's because they have a larger size, they, they don't trip over very easily, they have much more capital, uh, market power, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. This is a bank in the UK, far, far away, doesn't pay a dividend, it's not going to pay a dividend anytime soon. Yeah. It will have impairments. It's very much squeezed in a large market where much larger players are dominating the field and it has to fight for, for its existence. Yeah. The only thing it has going for it here is that the share price looks cheap. Yeah. Now, for me, I'm the That's type of investor where that... Probably a reason for it. Exactly. <laughs> the, I mean, no doubt every dog gets its moment under the sun. At yeah. some stage, management will do something and it will get the share price up. And, but I'm almost inclined to say it won't last. Right. So yeah. it's, it's a firm no. Yep. Uh, but if you want to play the, the, the punt because it's cheap, uh, just don't make the mistake and stay on board for too long. Right. Don't marry it. Definitely not. Dating, okay. not marrying it. <laughs> <laughs> get, get the friendship with the benefits and then get out. Um, all right. Our next stock, um, Claude, is Charter Hall. Uh, managers listed and unlisted property funds and uh, a bit more than that. Yeah. So um, this is an interesting one, and I guess my approach to this is, uh, I guess, more on the macro side of things. And on the macro side of things, I am not at all, and this is exactly why I, I can give no real good defense for Virgin Money, is I am not at all um, keen on getting stock market exposure to real estate. Many Australians, myself included, already um, own a, a home. And therefore, they already have exposure, probably possibly leveraged exposure to real estate. For me, there's no way that I want any more exposure to real estate, least of all when we're going into a recession or we're sort of in a recession as we are now. And I mean, even less once you consider the massive revenue that's happening in terms of remote working and all that kind of thing. So for me, uh, it's just, it's way too in the hard, too hard basket. Yep. And I, I just couldn't possibly see myself buying it. Okay, Rudy? Oh, we're going to differ today. Oh, I good. Exciting television. Oh, I would actually say yes. Ah. Um, and I think, I can see where, where Claude is coming from, but I think Charter Hall is so much more than simply uh, leveraged exposure to property. I mean, these, these guys are actually savvy property developers. I mean, it, it ranges from petrol stations to childcare centers to... Uh, uh, oh. to, to, so they're quite entrepreneurial, are they? Yes, right. that's basically the, the, the core essence of the business, yes. And right. they're, they're in that same um, water as, as Goodman Group now as well. Right. At the end of the day, they're still a relatively small company. It's only a few billion dollars in market cap. So that, 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 that comes with risk. Yeah. Uh, the fact that we now have a recession uh, comes with risk as well. It is property yeah. after all. Uh, but maybe you have to weigh up here that the share price has come down a lot hasn't really bounced a lot. So I think the market here is being very cautious and maybe that in itself takes care of, of a lot of the risks that are right. in the business. So, so, it's all built, so even so even if things go wrong, and, uh, and they probably will have some impairments at some stage somewhere, yeah. so maybe that's already baked in from here. Yeah. Um, so if you're, for, if, I mean, you have to be cognizant and familiar and, 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 and okay with the risk you're taking on board, but I think on average, I would, I would balance towards, towards a yes here. Right, okay, okay, for property exposure. And I suppose um, while sectors can go into downturns, 
for savvy operators, the good, they, can, exactly. they can see that as, yes. uh, as an opportunity yes, exactly. for them as well. And I'm, I'm pretty certain in, in this low-wage environment, there's still a lot of money that, that's, that, that is coming their way, I think. Right, okay. All right. Okay, our third stock is one that uh, Claude gave us a stag peek of a bit earlier. Objective, it's an information technology and services group. Would that be right? You describe it, Claude. It, it sort of has a skew to governance issues with corporates and, and IT, does it? Yeah, so I'd say that one of uh, its... So it is exactly as you, um, you described, but I, the, the key point that I'd note is that a lot of its clients are in government. So uh, you've got even New South Wales government, you've even got the Glasgow City Council, and you've got uh, the Australian Government Department of Defence. And there are two... Uh, special things to note about these kind of clients. One is security and, and privacy is very important to them. And then two is you have a very strong um, sort of safety effect, whereas if other gov if other departments are using objective court, then the decision maker feels safe to, to stay with that platform. So some of the research that I've done have suggested to me that some of the systems are probably a little bit of old and possibly in need of a refresh. But at the same time, it just keeps on growing because it's a trusted partner and it can uh, continue to expand and do more for its government partners. And it, of course, it still is investing in making itself a better. Finally, the last point here is that, as with many of these older IT companies, it is moving over to a software as a service model. And on that count, it's doing quite well and growing its uh, annual recurring revenue strongly. I think the last report, it was up 28% to 54.1 million. Given the current market cap, even if we ignore uh, the balance sheet, uh, we've got I think about 12 times annualized recurring revenue. So that's not as attractive as it was recently, but it's not outrageous yet either. It's a fairly big shareholding of mine. So I am talking my book, but it, and it is actually one of the few companies that I, I had on my uh, watch list to buy during the pandemic and did actually force myself uh, to buy some when it dipped down low in March. And it's a company I like and also management long serving. They're well aligned and they've been buying back shares for years, which has helped create uh, value for all shareholders. So, so what was your average price? Uh, probably, so recently I bought it uh, in the $5 range somewhere. Right. Uh, right. And I think I, maybe I actually got it a little bit under $5 as well. But I'd say my right. average price of, is, that I've bought recently is probably around $5. Okay. Um, but I've, that includes over, you know, prior to the pandemic as well, I was buying it. I, I liked it then as well. Right. So it's, um, it's a company that I consider a, a high-quality core holding, basically. A bit like uh, Rudy's Technology One, to be honest. Uh, now, now we've re retained, <laughs> renamed Technology One, Rudy's Technology One. Um, at seven bucks, is it still attractive? I think so, yeah. Because, I mean, so I took a little bit off the table after it bounced strongly, but I think it's still... I could I could probably tell you in a second, but it's, it's it still must be in my top five holdings easily, right. I'd say. Right. Um, yeah, it is. So I do have a lot of, I think it's number five from a quick glance. So I do think it's a good business and I'm very happy to hold it at the current prices and I'm happy to hold it ideally for years because it's still growing and it's still increasing its annualized recurring mm. revenue. I think over time that'll share price up, even if it's not crazy cheap right now, it will look cheaper if the share price doesn't go up because it is growing. Right. All right. That's a big wrap, Rudy. It is do you a big, agree? It is a big wrap. I think I think Claude is uh, is more um, he's willing to take on more risk than than I am on on average. I think. Right. Uh, I mean, I'm going to say the obvious. If you already own Technology One, you don't need to own right. uh, Objective on side because you 
you're sort of doubling up on the same theme. I mean, yeah. I, mean I, I think it's probably fair to say Objective has a lot of characteristics that are in common. Yeah. Uh, but there's a few things to, to point out here. Objective listed in the year 2000. Um, that's pretty much around ah. the same time as, as, uh, as Technology One did. Uh, the difference is Technology One has, has performed uh, over 15 years. Objective only just awakened out of its hibernation in uh, maybe three years ago or so. Right. Why? Um, I think it's that, it's that maybe Claude can, can, can answer that better, but I think it's that the fact that SaaS came along, software as a service. Ah. And before that, they were on licensing, and, and I mean, it worked, but it didn't by no means work to the same extent as, as, it, as it is now booming that right. business. Um, so they're definitely a beneficiary there. A few things that are in the to the advantage of, of Technology One here. Technology One is, is part of the index, which means it will have larger shareholders and it, it by definition carries a little bit less risk than if you're not in the index. Ah. Objective is not in the index. Um, so it's a smaller company. It will have more volatility because of that. Yeah. And uh, on that premise, uh, I would prefer Technology One. They're okay. both probably in a similar position here, they're both really bounced very, very quickly. Yeah, I've from just looked just looking at their charts for the last six months. Probably similar. They're almost exactly. identical. Exactly. It's right. extraordinary. Okay, you're saying though, Claude is happy with a bit more risk. Yes. So, when you bought into Technology One originally, yes. It was, it was it about the same stage as Objective is now? No, because see, Technology One has been performing over 17 years or so. Right. I mean, Objective is doing it now for three or so. So right. there's, there's a big difference there. Right. Um, the, other, the other thing is one of the reasons why I like uh, Technology One so much is the average uh, uh, performance, the average growth in its earnings per share is 14 or 15 percent over 14 years. Right. Not just over three years. So there's that, and, and they are going to do it for the next five years as well, at least. Right. So there's that comfort that these guys have been doing it for such a long time. They just continue whatever, right. they, whatever they were doing. All right, Claude, you can't take technology one out of the boy by the sound of it. Um, yeah. I mean, you've got I, I a right of rebuttal. Oh, so, uh, yeah. So I think that there's a key differentiating factor, which is that in Technology One's favour, it has probably served broader clients and higher growth clients. Now, I don't know it as well as Rudy does, but I do know that um, they've had a variety of different clients, like uh, universities and that kind of thing, whereas Objective Corp has been more focused on local and smaller government, which isn't such a growth sector. So really, one of the ways that Objective Corp has had to grow is to win new customers and also to expand within customers they have. And they've had trouble doing that earlier in their um, history, although they displayed great faith that they would succeed because the company just kept buying back its own shares and was very sort of careful with its money. Now it's starting to see a little bit more growth. As already said, the software as a service um, paradigm helps them actually expand within councils. So I would argue that it is absolutely higher risk. There's no doubt about that. But because it's not in the index yet, it's kind of at that size, 650 million. Now it's not really liquid enough but you could see in a few years, if they keep growing, it becomes big enough, liquid enough, it starts getting included in the indices. And then suddenly, you know, the index funds have to buy it. It's not a very liquid stock. Also, you know, not that many funds have it either. And the funds that I know do have it uh, tend to be tight holders of these kind of high quality companies. I could see it really having a bit of a share price spike whenever it does get into the index, assume it right. does in a few years. And that okay. might be the time that I'd take more profits, I guess. Okay. So, Rudy, 
you're saying you'd rather have technology one, but if you're a, just an investor that wasn't in this space, yeah. is I, objective a buy? Uh, I would say not at this price. Right. So that's why I disagree with, yep. uh, with Claude. But uh, I, I guess you can make that same argument for technology one because you saw the share price yep. is pretty similar. Yep. So in both cases, I would say you wait, you wait for a pullback, which at some stage will come. I mean, right. NASDAQ trips over or right. something along those lines. Right. Um, and, and then you can always get on board. In, in, and they both have similar characteristics at this point of the cycle. Right. I mean. okay. The other All thing right. is, is that uh, this month, latest, latest month, Technology One will actually report its figures. So my suspicion is that once they've reported, the share price will weaken. Right. Um, it sounds contradictory, but see, the share price is quite high now. Everyone yep. knows a good, a good number is coming. Yep. So once a good number is out, everyone goes like, oh yeah, we knew that. Right. right? And right. then they move on elsewhere. So that right. might be the, the main... So technology ones this month, is it? Yes, end, end of the month. End of right. the month. That's mm-hmm. only two weeks away. Right. So maybe, to, to Claude's uh, fan base, maybe if technology one pulls back, maybe objective goes, in, uh, goes accordingly as well. Just right. as, sometimes that's how it works. Yep. Then you can either choose you can, or yep. you can buy them both. Yep, perfect. All right, good strategy. All right, our fourth stock. Um, Rudy, let's kick off with you. A finance broker, Growth Point. That's uh, essentially similar to uh, to Charter Hall, I would say. Yeah. Although these guys are more limited, they're more in in offices and in industrial. Yeah, but they lend, don't they? Do, do they finance it or? They develop they it, and then, and then, and then, well? yes, exactly. Right. Um, I would because I don't know these guys as well as as some of the other companies. Yeah. Uh, and also, again, they're even smaller than than Charter Hall is in in size. Yeah. So, I mean, I would prefer, if you go down that route, I would prefer a company like Charter Hall. Right. Uh, a little bit larger in size, more diversified, um, probably maybe even better, better in execution. Uh, um, so I would, in this case, I would pass. Right. Okay. Ready? No, no, it's Claude now. Uh, Claude, <laughs> I mean, sorry. <laughs> Um, I look. I think that Rudy's got more insight on this than I do, given that it's not a sector I really invest in. Uh, if I had to choose between this and uh, a bigger, stronger, more diversified property developer, I would go with the latter. I consider it a, a risky place to invest right now, riskier than usual anyway. Yep. And um, as a result, I would prefer more diversification to try to deal with that. I mean, having said that, if Maybe if you waited a little while and we got about six months into the recession and things were looking a bit uh, dark and we had property price falls, the share price could be active then. I think if you're gutsy and, you're, um, and you've looked at it close, maybe even visited the properties that they own, um, you could have some confidence that they're probably, they might be actually doing better than the market thinks at a certain point. So it kind of interests me potentially down the track if things don't go too well in Australia. Having said that, you know, Australia's so far managing things well, so it's not the first place I'd go for an opportunity, no. Yeah. You know what, what's probably... It's a void for me. What's probably weighing on the market sentiment as well is that we don't really know what the impact of the lockdown will be on office space. Yeah. Whether offices will be utilised less. Yeah. Uh, whether there's more commercial space that will be vacant. Yeah. Now, that will impact those, yeah. those, that type of companies. So I think the market is waiting here to see actually yeah. what the impact will be and, and for how long. Every, everyone's talking out of their hat on that. Yes. Stuff at yes. the moment. We don't, know, we don't really know. No. We, but we have to find out at yeah. some stage. Right? Because, you know, you, uh, Twitter is being uh, quoted yesterday saying, Twitter was saying, 
they functioned really well at home, so they're going to keep their staff at home permanently. Yeah, yeah. But then I, like some of my staff, have said, oh, yeah, home's good, but she gets boring. Routine. Like the coffee, I, actually, yeah. I actually like coming into the office, yeah, exactly. and it's made me appreciate coming into yes, the office more. Yes, so. Exactly, exactly. So uh, the, exactly, there's, a, there's a two scenarios, yeah. and the market doesn't really know, and you can, you can tell from the price charts that yeah. these stocks haven't really recovered from, yeah. from the, the bulk, because the market is basically trying to wait to see what, what, what really comes and some yeah. signals and what, what's actually going to happen there. Yeah, exactly. The other thing to point out is that, uh, in also an extension of what Claude said, I mean, I'm a long-term shareholder in Goodman Group. Yep. Uh, Goodman Group is larger than GrowthPoint and yep. Charter Hall combined. Yep. And that's one of the reasons why you, you feel a little bit more safer with yep. in, in the safe hands. And, of and it's performed. And has it, it has, absolutely. Just had a great track record. Absolutely. Uh, Claude, let's move to the uh, to the resources sector and Oz Minerals, um, South Australian-based miner in that copper and gold area, is it? Yeah, so uh, this is, uh, I guess, it could be an interesting play for the for the recovery when it comes. But I guess even as with property, for me, this is something you'd I would want to wait and see. And look, it, I'm never going to buy this stock. I'll put that out there. It's just, it seems like too much ahead, too difficult to try to make a good long-term investments in this kind of uh, space. Like if you, if you look at the long-term history of this company, uh, the, the earnings have sort of barely, uh, they're actually down anyway. Um, off the last couple of years, uh, the dividend sort of flat, which isn't too bad for a miner, but in the long-term history, you know, they've gone nowhere. So that essentially tells me that as with many miners, uh, time is not my friend. So if I want to make money off this stock, I really have to pick my moment, buy it when it's cheap and then sell it when it's expensive. Yep. Uh, that can be quite difficult to do. And it probably syncs up with the overall economic cycle as the world goes through this uh, pandemic, unfortunately. And, and then the secondary question is, okay, well, if I want to play a cyclical uh, play, there's many, many different companies I can do that with. And it doesn't, it's not clear to me why Oz Minerals would be the one. Um, it, it's, it's always interesting to watch these kind of uh, companies, though, because they can be a bit of a barometer for sort of uh, the worldwide economies for, for copper is particularly watched for that reason. Yeah. Ready? In general terms, I would agree with uh, with Claude, but in this particular case, um, the the secret is called Carpetina. So these guys have a massive project uh, coming on, uh, which at one stage they they thought they couldn't finance themselves, looked for partners, couldn't find partners. Ultimately, ended up doing it themselves. Um, they're on schedule with the program. Uh, that means that next year. A little bit early now, but let's say, I mean, well, still some months out. But next year, so they should have this big boost in their production if Carapatina uh, ramps up and, and right. starts producing, which, I mean, all else being equal, it's, it looks right. like the odds are in favor. That will transform that company, which basically means the share price will be a lot higher. Right. So, uh, but we're a little bit early maybe here. So short term, the share price can definitely go lower because... I mean, if, if the copper price or the gold price uh, drops tomorrow, then the share price should follow suit because Carapatina is still, I mean, yeah. not, 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 is a big, it's a big mine. Yes. Mine. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Copper, copper and gold. Copper, copper and gold. gold. Yep. Yeah. So, um, and I mean, it, it, ta- it has taken them a long time. They've already uh, put in a lot of money, but yeah. it's still going to, going to require some more work. Uh, I think it's, it's due the end of the year or early next year. Right. Um, even if it's a little bit delayed, it won't make a difference. I mean, it's a big, it's a really big, it's, it's, it's a company maker. Right. Uh, and if, if, so that means in, in two, three years' time, all else being equal, 
right. or the share price should be a lot higher. But right. we're not there yet. But if you have that patience, uh, you can you can count on the fact that uh, that project will come along yep. without anything other negatives happening to the company. Then this is a this is a stock that you should put in your, the bottom drawer. Okay, all right, but sort of wait six months or so. Hey, we still we still have a recession ahead of us, and copper's <laughs> not going anywhere. Right? Yeah, exactly right. All right, so so a yes from Rudy, but take your time. You could wait six months or so. Halfway through our, our top 10 for today on the call, Virgin Money, uh, a hold from Claude, a no from uh, Rudy. Uh, Charter Hall, a yes from Rudy, a no from Claude. Uh, a yes for Objective um, from Claude. Uh, Rudy is saying, yeah, on a pullback maybe, but stick with technology one is... Uh, um, his legitimate child, we'll say, investment child. Um, growth point, a no from both. Uh, Oz Minerals, a no from Claude and from Rudy, uh, a yes, but you can wait until the, the big mine comes on board, the new project. All right, let's uh, kick into the, the second five of our top 10 on the call for this Thursday. And um, Claude, I didn't know much about this next company, Dicker Data, a distributor of things like computer hardware and accessories from the likes of uh, Hewlett-Packard, Cisco, Toshiba, Lenovo and Microsoft. Sort of a, a good old-fashioned computer hardware distributor. Yeah, well, th well, that's right. It's actually not a particularly well-known company, despite ah. the fact that it is actually getting bigger. It's one of these companies that can get quite big. I think it's over a billion dollars now. And... Um, hmm. It, 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 the reason it's not in indexes or well known is because it's very tightly held by the um, by it's at 1.2 billion. It's very tightly held by the uh, insiders, by the original founder uh, David Dicker and um, his former partner who's on the board, uh, Fiona Brown, and also you've got the insiders, the managers have been buying shares and they own a lot of the company itself. And because of this, it's not in the index. In the big indexes or anything so it flies under the radar now this is actually one of my little small caps that i first recommended to clients i think it was about a dollar 60 many years ago now um trading closer to seven dollars now and uh it's remarkable because it pays out uh 100 of its earnings in dividends for a start which means its finances grow largely by debt and a little bit of capital raising and it's also uh essentially uh, got a lot going on right now. So uh, the first thing to note was um, I missed an opportunity to buy shares during the March sell-off, which I should have done. It was on my watch list to buy. I obviously own shares in this company already. I like it. Um, and I missed the opportunity to buy shares when the share price dropped. And then shortly after, they announced some great results and, and said, uh, with many organizations enabling their workforces to, re to work remotely, we've seen a surge in demand. So that's a positive uh, arising from the whole current situation for Dicker Data. And then, of course, as I said, because they pay out so much of their earnings, they do need capital to grow. And as a result of that, they've actually in a recent um, capital raising. Uh, so they sold 50 million to institutions, a piddly 5 million to um, retail shareholders. I will probably apply for some shares under the share purchase plan. Um, it remains to be seen whether I'll sort of offset that by selling some or just increase my holding. But yeah, basically, it, it's raising a bit of capital now. They're, they're moving to a bigger warehouse. Uh, they've also got Dicker Data Financial Solutions coming up, which is where they finance their customers a little bit. There's a little extra risk there, so I wonder how that'll go. 
but yeah, overall, I'm I'm pretty positive on this stock, and mm. and I do own shares in it, and I really like their long term uh, track record as well. Okay. Um, and you like it at this price? Yeah, I think I have to say mm. I do because I have quite a big mm. holding, and and I will um the the share purchase plan I think is at six dollars seventy, which is a bit below the current price. Right. I'll be applying to buy shares at that price. Okay. I, I might sell a couple. I don't, I don't know, but uh, right. yeah, basically I do like it. Uh, Ready? I mean, I, I know I don't even know half as much about this company <laughs> than that Claude does. <laughs> I mean, um, I have to be a little bit skeptical, and I'm doing this because of overseas experiences. Is that this type of companies, which basically, if you want to put really bluntly, they, they shift boxes, yeah, right? yeah. and um, I mean, they do have they do have their times, but they also do have the other times. Yeah. Um, so on that experience, I have to say, enjoy it while it lasts. Yep. But there will be the other times as well, and like the, the the immediate thought that comes to mind: if these guys have been enjoying a lot of momentum because we all moved into lockdown and bought uh, screens and, and and everything for at home, then the, the, there might be a lull in, in in three months' time or so because everyone has now a computer at home. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I mean, the long-term trend is what uh, at this point in time these guys are doing well. And um, I, I mean, I can only rely on Claude in this yeah. one. I mean, ha- happy, happy share. What, what, what about the dividend attraction? Well, see, 100% well, see, to me, that doesn't make sense. I mean, it only makes sense because uh, the founders have such a big stake in them and, and, and they want to they have it in their own pocket. Yeah? Right. Like having to raise capital to finance your new distribution center uh, while you're paying out 100% of your cash, to me, that doesn't make sense. Right. I mean, you, you, you better pay a little bit less in capital and, and finance your distribution center out of your cash right. instead of having to go to shareholders and, and raise extra capital. But right. um, I'm being critical now. Yep, you are. Very <laughs> much so. <laughs> but I think they're good criticisms. Yeah, they, they are good criticisms, Colin. Yeah, I think so. Like, I, I worried about all of those things for years with Picadata, and I think that the, the key bit of insight that finally got me comfortable with the, the stock is that this is a low-margin, difficult game. Uh, distribution of shipping all of these boxes and generally only the most efficient player in a, in a certain geography really makes much money because they're mm. just competing away each other's mar- margins so you really need to be the most efficient guy and because of the massive alignment between management um, and shareholders they really make a massive effort to be that company and I think that's been the secret to success right. and Rudy's of course completely right arguably this what we've seen is a, a pull forward of a bunch of demand during this pandemic Hence why I'm, hence why I couldn't bring myself to buy shares when they dropped down. Which in hindsight, I should have. But that's what I was worried about. Okay, all right. Well, we've got you there, Claude. Uh, our next stock, our seventh, Insatec Pivot, the big fertilizer explosives uh, business, big in the mining sector. Yeah, I I think this is. I mean, this is a company that I haven't looked at closely for quite a few years, but uh, I generally do like the idea of essentially being the proverbial shovel salesman in a country that you know does both a lot of mining and of course a lot of agriculture i don't think anything will happen to change the fact that mining and agriculture will be like very important export industries for australia over probably my lifetime and as a result um this company uh is in a position where it doesn't really matter which agriculture is doing the best or which mine is doing the best or which mining company, as long as they can keep selling uh, products to everybody. So I like that side of it. Now, I must note that they've just done this big 
uh, capital raising, which it seems like they've gotten off without problem. But that does make me wonder whether prior to uh, this pandemic, they were sort of running a bit thin on the uh, mm. on the capital side of things, which has then left them vulnerable and having to raise a $600 million in capital after the share price has fallen. And that, to me, suggests that it's probably not a business that I want to own for really long term because cycles like that will really hurt it. And they always happen, even if it's not a pandemic, something causes right. um, difficulty in these cyclical industries. Yep. Ready? All you need to know is you, you open up a price chart of the last 10 years and, you, and you'll find that it goes, it goes up really, really high and it falls really, really deeply. Yep. And at the end of the day, it doesn't move. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, so you really <laughs> you take have, the average over. Yeah. You have to pick your points. Um, from that perspective, we're probably now near a low point, so we're almost in the same situation mm. as with. See, look at that, the five-year chart. Yeah, exactly. And if you take it longer, it's it's similar pattern. So we're very low here. So you, you could take a similar view as with Virgin Money UK. Yeah. It's so low at some point it will probably it probably will will at least move up a little bit. Yeah. The problem I have with 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 companies like Instacart, which by the way. People who cover that sector say it's good management, it's, it's one of the better operators. But the problem is they don't control their own markets. Right. And at this point in time, they've spent a lot of money in a, in a new fertilizer plant in the United States. And what happens, uh, the fertilizer market is oversupplied. So right. the prices are very low. And uh, there you are with your multi-billion investment. I mean, yeah. So that's the problem with, with I mean, yes, they can be very good at giving explosives, not shovels, explosives yeah. <laughs> to miners, I mean, and, they're, and they're doing the, the fertilizer uh, for, the, for the agricultural sector. Yeah. But in both cases, I mean, if miners are under pressure, they don't, they don't, they don't buy in. And, and if agriculture was on its knees, it doesn't buy in fertilizer either, or it goes for the seasonal. So they don't really control their own markets. And that's, I mean, at the very least, even, even though I'm sometimes being called naive if, if I think it's companies like Technology One have more power over what they do, but these companies have no power. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they yeah. just... They just ride the cycles. They just have to go do, do, yeah. any way the wind blows, yeah. essentially. Yeah. And that is a very difficult position. And you see that in the sh that's basically what's reflected in the share price. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There are times when they have a good market and then they make a lot of money. And there are times when this, it's really, yeah. really uh, tough and then they make no money. So not for you, but maybe a trading stock every so often. Yes. <laughs> if you can pick your point. Um, Rudy, what about Brambles? Logistics company invented the chip pallet. Oh, I love that. What a great Aussie invention that was. It, it uh, is. It's in crates and containers. The, 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 funny, and logistics. Thing, the funny thing is they, they, they do see themselves as a logistics company, yeah. but at the end of the day, it's predominantly pallets, because right. they've, they've tried a lot over time. They're sort of the bricks and mortar version of WiseTech, are they? Which is the <laughs> online version, would well, that they, be they, a fair? They, they try to comparison. see themselves like that, but at the end of the day, it's pallets. Yeah? Right. <laughs> so basically, supermarkets get goods in, yeah. and, and usually they're being brought in on a pallet. Yeah, so the forklift um, can get in. Yes, and, exactly. Yeah. The, funny thing, the funny story here is when I first arrived in Australia, year 2000, uh, Brambles went through its first of, of numerous uh, crises, and at the time, the big scandal was they didn't they didn't know where a few million of their panel were, <laughs> because they didn't have a tracking on them, and a lot yeah. of supermarkets didn't return them, so they yeah. were just somewhere in in space. It's like milk crates. Uh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, at the end of the day, this uh, what I like about them is that they are in that particular 
you could you could say in a basket with the likes of Aurora, Amcor, Ansel. Right. Um, they should be through the cycles quite resilient and reliable. Yeah. And to a certain extent, they are. But Brambles in particular, somehow I don't know how it works, but they they go through these times where you go like you you just slapping your forehead. You go like, <laughs> what are these guys doing? <laughs> and you see that in the share price as well. Now, at right. the moment. They're, they're going through a, a relatively resilient time. We spoke earlier about uh, about dividends. Yeah. This is probably one of those dividends that will not be cut this year. It yeah. looks quite safe. Uh, it's about four percent for memory. Yeah. Um, so that's that's okay. And it's it's a it's a boring business. Yeah. If it can stay away from the shenanigans. Right. Uh, and 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 with, but otherwise, uh, I would say if you're looking to replace one of your more doubtful dividend payers this year, and you don't want to go in the resources space, right. then Bramble is probably okay. not, not a bad choice. So for dividends, look for dividends. Yes, for the, okay. that dividend, because it won't be cut, and it's probably okay. growing. It's a US exposure as well, US dollar. Yep. Um, having said so, we, we this week had results by Emcor, yep. and I think Emcor is a better choice than Bramble. Oh. oh, okay. Claude? Yeah, so if I was uh, in a different phase of my life and perhaps going into retirement and wanted some pretty solid stocks that I'd hold for a really long time, uh, I would definitely consider Brambles. And I actually did buy a tiny bit recently in the hope that it would just keep going down and I'd be able to buy it quite cheaply on a really good dividend yield. It didn't quite get there for me. So in the end, I just sold my shares and gave it up. I was like, oh, I can't accumulate this at the price that I want. But... Yeah, look, I do like to have a couple of dividend payers in my portfolio, and if this one got low enough, I would absolutely consider it. And the reason for that is that essentially I don't think anyone would ever be bothered to uh, replicate their distribution of pallets all around the world. It's obviously a, ma a massive logistical effort to do this. I'm pretty sure there was companies that tried who haven't done very well because you have to have relationships with so many people. You have to have this absolutely massive network to manage this situation and you have to have millions of pallets and there's just no reason why somebody else would ever go after the opportunity like capital is looking for big growth areas or whatever but the funny thing is is over the course of time unless this current crisis really hits globalization really hard we are going to see growth in that sort of trade around the world so i actually really kind of and i think that's why it's been resilient over the years because no one wants to really get in there and compete with them and they are have got a really long term tailwind, so yeah. For that reason, I I quite it's too boring for me, but I quite like it as a business, and I'll definitely buy it at the right price. Okay, uh, our next one back into the small miners again. Um, Rudy, Western Areas, a, a nickel miner. A few things they have going for themselves. Uh, they've been around for a long time. Yeah. They are widely considered uh, the best nickel miner we have. And they're true to brand, aren't they? Yes, I mean it's nickel, no, straight nickel. It's all nickel. Yep. Yeah, it's all yeah. nickel. Don't confuse it. No, yep. exactly. They they too, are similar to Oz Minerals, have a few uh, upcoming projects, but they're a little bit longer dated. So that's more like twenty two, twenty three. That's right. still a while out. And the other thing is, is that overlooking the commodity space, um, if analysts have to pick one metal that they think will do better than the rest, often they pick nickel. Ah, so uh, well, that is obviously. 
a, a spe company, uh, co um, sector specific. Right. Um, uh, probably related also to, to the fact that uh, um, uh, Indonesia comes into play as well. Right, okay. Um, but anyway, the dynamics of nickel in particular look better than for copper and for many others. Oh. So that uh, is all beneficial for Western areas. But the big caveat, of course, is it's still a commodity. Yeah. It's still a commodity stock. They can, they can surprise either way. And we are still going into a global recession. So, right. um, yes. Um, I mean, it's not, not the type of stock I would add to my portfolio. Right, sure. Um, I mean, so what do they use nickel in? It's in... Steel. Steel, isn't yeah, it? it? It's and, and stainless steel. Yeah, and that's basically like what that. makes it stainless. It's yeah. basically what makes steel uh, non-corrosive. Right. Okay. Uh, Claude? Yeah, so with the same caveat as I mentioned with Osmirals, this is definitely not one for me for the reasons that I avoid mining companies in general. Um, and I think the share price sort of tells that story as well. Yeah, look at the five-year um, chart. But, Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> so I, like the yeah. Mighty Mouse at Luna Park, isn't it? It's everywhere. Yeah, so so in an image, that's probably why I avoid even good mining companies. I would I would note with these guys, uh, you did see you know a little bit of director buying in March, uh, which is a good sign that, that they that those insiders saw value at those prices, which I think is a good thing. And then you know as as Rudy says, it definitely compares favorably to many of the other miners that we sometimes get asked about. You know, they've got good Australian assets. Um, there's lots of people have, who, who know more about uh, this mining than I have run a sceptical eye over it. And, and it has proven the test of time as a mining company in Australia. So if you wanted to invest in mining companies, you'd probably do better with this kind of thing than some you know, high-risk explorer that's got a tenement in Africa that it says it's going to develop. But having said that, not for me. Okay. All right. And our final stock um, is... A Oh, I was going to say uh, as far away from resources as you can possibly get, but maybe not. Uh, Bingo, the big waste management uh, company, they own Dialer Dump and all that sort of stuff. Claude, what do you think of Bingo? I'd, I'd probably leave it with the caveat being that initially when this listed, I gave it a good long look because obviously with these kind of businesses, you do have this distribution network effect. So... Um, maybe not to the extent of uh, Brambles, but it can be harder for competitors to get in there and build such a good distribution network as what Bingo has, because it's one of it's obviously consolidated a bunch of waste management companies, put them together, and then it tries to sort of have these sort of market power, and, and they're the guys that can solve your waste problem, whatever it may be, and they become a sort of go-to name there. Um, having said that, you know, there's been some concerns about dumping practices in the industry gen general. Uh, generally, I think there was a Four Corners report about it a couple of years ago. And in the end, I guess that's the and I think that's the first big fall that you see on that on that um, share price chart is when I think the, I think it was a Four Corners report came out about uh, incorrect practices in the dumping industry. And I think that has probably scared me off this sector and this company for good now because to me, you never know when um, there might be some sort of revelation that uh, companies haven't been doing the right things or the rules around waste management change. And so it is a regulated industry here. So there's this sort of like regulatory risk there yeah. that I guess worries me. And there's no growth prospects that is exciting enough that makes me want to invest in it to offset that risk. Right. It's rubbish. Rubbish. <laughs> boom, and, boom. And, 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 and there's a double layer to that one. Um, it's, it's actually doing it very tough because it's in that industry, it's, it's more linked to the construction sector. 
right. the construction sector is doing it tough and it's forecasted yeah. doing it tough. Look at yeah. this, what CSR uh, yeah. forecasted this week. The other thing is, if you look closely at the company's logo, and I sometimes see the cars driving through the street, yeah. it's actually bin go. Right. It's actually go into the bin. bin so it's yeah. not bingo, it's bin go. One thing that, that this company is missing, I mean, it's sometimes been dressed up as we're sustainable, but it's actually not. Um, the company that is m making much more inroads into sustainability in that sector is Clean Away Waste Management. Right. And that's also widely regarded of, of a better quality, yeah. a better prospect than and this it, one. Is it fair to say Clean Away is more, whereas Bingo is more construction? Yes. Clean Away is restaurants, commercial premises, clubs, all that sort of stuff. Clean, clean Away also does uh, the, the highly toxic. Uh, ah. As well, okay. uh, we had a company uh, listed which was called Tox Free, right? And they've been acquired by Cleanaway, right. so they also do the very like very ah. specialized. Uh, so that's a much which is high yield, good margins for exactly, them. Yeah. and much more resilient as well. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. that would be the better choice, right? And and even irrespective of Cleanaway, I wouldn't go to Bingo. Okay. All right. Okay. That gets us through our 10. Really appreciate it. Claude Walker from A Rich Life, thank you for, for joining us. Really appreciate it. Good to see you. Thank you for having me. Uh, go Likewise. to arichlife.com.au, uh, isn't it? To check, yeah, out what right. you check out what you do each day. And Rudy Philip at Van Dyke from, uh, from FN Arena. Same thing, fnarena.com. Don't go to technology.com. Just go to fnarena.com. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, just to, um, on, the, uh, on the back half, uh, the last five stocks, a bit of a summary. Uh, Dicker Data, uh, um, Claude likes it, Rudy doesn't. Incitec Pivot, no, from both Brambles. If you want a good dividend payer that's not under threat, it could be a good option for you. Rudy prefers Amcor in that space. Uh, Western areas, no, and bingo, no, as well. So really appreciate your time. Uh, if you want to send us in uh, some suggestions for us to cover in the 10 stocks here on the call, you can email in the call at osbiz.com.au or send them in through Twitter. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.